Millions of people all over the world believe, as do we here at Tomorrow's World, that almost 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ of Nazareth rose from the dead after being crucified by the Romans. But this central belief of the Christian faith has accumulated a lot of myths and misconceptions over the years. Can we separate the fact from the fiction? Join me on this episode of Tomorrow's World as we tackle five myths about the resurrection of Jesus. Greetings and welcome to Tomorrow's World, where we help you make sense of your world through the pages of the Bible. Today we're going to tackle five common myths and misconceptions about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the most momentous event in human history. Now some of them you may hear others claim, and some you may believe yourself. Today we'll shed the lights of God's word, history, and logic on these myths to clear them away so that only the truth remains. We'll also make available our free resource, Easter, the Untold Story. Millions every year observe Easter Sunday while not knowing that they're actually embracing at least one of these myths. Keep an eye out for the information you need to order this beautiful free booklet as it appears throughout the program. But for now, let's get to myth busting. Here's the first myth we'll tackle. It doesn't matter whether Jesus really rose from the dead, he was still a great teacher. This idea that it doesn't really matter whether Jesus was resurrected has become popular because of our secular age that is uncomfortable with anything supernatural or miraculous. Yet the first century church was under no illusions. In fact, look in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. As we do, let me make a point here that we'll use again later. Even secular, non-Christian scholars believe that the letter of 1 Corinthians was written or dictated by Paul in the early 50s AD, so only around 20 years after the crucifixion. Did the apostle Paul believe that it doesn't really matter whether the resurrection was real or not? Let's look beginning in verse 14. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up, if in fact the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. Paul understood what we should all understand. If Jesus Christ did not actually rise from the grave, then Christianity is a sham. No one is forgiven of their sins by Jesus' shed blood, and there's no future resurrection for those who die. And Jesus' teachings are just one more philosophy of men. Jesus knew the importance of his resurrection as well. Though he did many miracles during his ministry, when pressed to provide a sign that he was the Christ, note his own response in Matthew chapter 12. He answered and said to them, an evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. 
In fact, think about it. Jesus' claims he would literally rise from the dead are peppered throughout his teachings. If he did not rise, then he was a liar or a lunatic. So why should his teachings have any credibility? No, the idea that it doesn't matter whether Jesus really rose from the dead is completely a myth and fundamentally untrue. Our second myth claims that the resurrection was only a legend about Jesus that developed long after he had died. Is this true? After all, as centuries pass, legends do become attached to the stories of famous people. Actually, we've already answered this one. Remember what we said about the book of 1 Corinthians and its mention of the resurrection, that even secular scholars believe it was written by the Apostle Paul in the early 50s AD, only about 20 years after Jesus' death. That's not much time for a legend to arise. In fact, we'll find that belief in the resurrection existed even earlier than that. Turn to verse 3 of chapter 15 and read carefully. For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that He was seen by Cephas, then by the twelve. After that He was seen by over five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to the present, but some have fallen asleep. After that He was seen by James then by all the apostles. Then last of all, he was seen by me also, as by one born out of due time." Now this is important. Not only does Paul speak of more than 500 people, most of them still alive, and including Jesus' closest disciples as witnesses to his resurrection, but he says this was one of the very first things he had ever taught those in Corinth a few years before. And he says that it was a truth he had received from others sometime before that. These things date a belief in Jesus' resurrection much earlier than the letter of 1 Corinthians, which itself was already very close to the time of the crucifixion. Sorry, but a handful of years after the crucifixion is not nearly enough time for legends to develop about a resurrected and glorified Son of God. The resurrection of Jesus was a fundamental part of the Christian faith from the very beginning of that faith. So, two myths down and three to go. Before we continue, let me pause to give you an opportunity to request Easter, the Untold Story. In this free booklet, evangelist and fellow Tomorrow's World presenter Gerald Weston shows you the truth about Easter directly from your Bible. You'll learn about the ties between Easter and pagan worship of the so-called Queen of Heaven, the role of biblical holy days in teaching God's plan of salvation, and the Bible's description of how the resurrection took place, which does not match the story most people hear every Easter. This booklet with charts concerning the biblical holy days and the timing of events around the resurrection is completely free, just like everything offered on Tomorrow's World. Take a moment to order your copy and then come right back, because in our next segment, we'll examine a myth woven directly into the fabric of Easter keeping. For today's free offer, call 1-800-236-0531 or go to twtv.org Easter. 
This clear and straightforward resource will help you understand this vital truth straight from the pages of the Bible. If you're calling for the first time, you will also receive a free annual subscription to Tomorrow's World magazine. 10 inspiring issues discussing news, science, and modern culture will help you make sense of your world from a biblical perspective. Call today and join millions around the world who are turning to tomorrow's world for truth, prophecy, and hope in these confusing times. Call now or go to twtv.org Easter. Welcome back. We've dispelled two myths about the resurrection. Let's look at two more. Myth number three is that Jesus secretly survived the crucifixion and simply revived in the cool of the tomb. He never really died and only pretended to be resurrected. I know, this one may seem completely off the wall, but believe it or not, some do believe it, or different variations of it. Its origins can be traced to at least the 18th century, and it saw a resurgence in more recent times. After books such as Holy Blood, Holy Grail, Jesus and the Riddle of the Dead Sea Scrolls, and the Jesus Papers were published. While the idea that Jesus survived the crucifixion makes for an entertaining topic on basic cable programs and in conspiracy books, few to none of the serious scholars who've looked into the evidence actually believe it. And their dismissal is understandable. Consider, the Gospels explain that Jesus was scourged before his crucifixion, a vicious whipping that tore the victim's flesh apart, sometimes killing him outright. Then, after additional beatings by the guards, he was marched out, nailed in the hands and feet to a piece of wood for display like an insect, where eventually a Roman soldier ran a spear into his body, spilling out blood and other fluids. Roman soldiers were trained killers and knew how to do their job and what a dead body looked like. Seriously, can you imagine Jesus waking up in the tomb after that ordeal, being left for dead and thinking, hey, I'm feeling a lot better. I think I'll just get up, move this massive stone outside my tomb, sneak past the guards that have been set out to watch for my self-proclaimed resurrection, find my disciples and convince them I've been resurrected in powerful and divine glory. I don't mean to be cruel, but such ideas deserve to be mocked, even if it were possible. The idea of the disciples seeing a wheezing, bleeding to death, unrecognizably disfigured man and concluding that God had resurrected him in power and glory is just dumbfounding. Once again, even atheist scholars find the idea ridiculous, and so should we. Now, our next myth might surprise you. Myth number four today is this. Jesus died and rose exactly as the Easter story says, crucified on Good Friday and resurrected Easter Sunday morning. Now, all of us here at Tomorrow's World, me, the other presenters, the gentlemen behind the cameras, the amazing people in the control room over there, every single one of us believes that Jesus Christ was crucified and was resurrected to life by God. 
But the Good Friday, Easter Sunday timing of those events is simply not what the Bible teaches. You'll see this explained in extreme detail when you get today's free offer, Easter, The Untold Story. But for now, let me just summarize some of the key points. The Easter story claims that Jesus died and was buried on Friday at sunset and raised Sunday morning, a total of two nights and one day. Yet as we saw earlier, Jesus said plainly that he would be in the tomb three days and three nights. Explanations that three days and three nights is some sort of idiom or could be satisfied by tiny parts of three days doesn't fix the problem because Jesus specifically relates his time in the tomb to Jonah's three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish. And the Hebrew of Jonah chapter one in verse 17 is explicit, three days and three nights. Yet the Bible does say that Jesus died on the day before a Sabbath and was buried at sunset just as that Sabbath began. And it certainly says that by the time the sun rose on Sunday, his tomb was empty. So what is the solution? A key part of the answer is that in addition to the sundown to sundown seventh day weekly Sabbath commanded in the Ten Commandments, there are also seven annual high day Sabbaths that can happen on different days of the week. In fact, since Jesus was crucified on the day of Passover, the very next day, the first day of unleavened bread, was one of these annual high day Sabbaths, as John 19 and verse 31 tells us. Therefore, because it was the preparation day that the bodies should not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a high day, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. So since high day Sabbaths can be different days of the week, which day was this one? The answer is Thursday. Mark 16 and verse one says that Mary Magdalene, Mary James's mother and Salome went out after the annual Sabbath to purchase spices to prepare for Jesus' body. But Luke 23 and verse 56 says they had to stop preparing the spices at sundown because the commanded weekly Sabbath had begun. Therefore, the day they bought and prepared spices was Friday, making Thursday the high day Sabbath and Wednesday the Passover when Jesus died. Therefore, Jesus' dead body was placed in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea at sundown Wednesday evening, meaning three days and three nights later, he rose and left the tomb at sundown beginning Saturday evening. That's why when the ladies arrive during the morning on Sunday, the tomb is already empty. Wednesday sunset to Saturday sunset is the only timing that fits all the biblical data. The Good Friday, Easter Sunday morning myth fits none of it. I know we went through that demonstration very quickly, and many of you would like to take your time to look through the passages carefully for yourself, and you should. For that reason and many others, I cannot recommend highly enough our free offer today, Easter, The Untold Story. For instance, 
the chapters three days and three nights, the significance of Passover, for that Sabbath was a high day, and what happened on Sunday, explain in detail the timing I just summarized, with charts helping to visualize the sequence of days and explaining the annual festivals and high days. Take this opportunity to request your own free copy of Easter, The Untold Story, and I'll be right back to address one of the most damaging resurrection myths of all. This clear and straightforward resource will help you understand this vital truth straight from the pages of the Bible. Call now or go to twtv.org Easter. Welcome back. We've dealt with four myths about the resurrection and we have time for one more. This one is one of the most damaging in a way. Myth five is the belief that there is no evidence for the resurrection of Jesus. You have to believe on blind faith. Now, of course, many atheists and secularists claim this, but you might be surprised that many of those who believe Jesus rose from the dead believe this myth as well. Either they've never weighed the evidence for themselves or they believe in one of the popular but inaccurate takes on faith that says faith requires believing in something you have no evidence for. In fact, some say faith is believing despite evidence. Such an idea represents a dangerous caricature of real faith. For instance, we must have faith that God exists. Hebrews 11:6 tells us, but without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Yet the creation around us is filled with evidence that God exists. In fact, Romans 1.20 tells us that the things God has made reveal his eternal power and Godhead to such a degree that those who don't believe are left without any excuse. God wants us to weigh evidence and he has ensured that there is evidence to Jesus' resurrection, evidence that continues to testify to that resurrection almost 2,000 years later. A fair treatment of that evidence deserves much longer than I have to give it right now, but let me hit a couple of high points. Consider Jesus' empty tomb. Now you might wonder, how can we know two millennia later that the tomb of Jesus was actually empty? Actually, the history is quite clear on the matter. No blind faith needed. For instance, Look at Matthew chapter 28, verses 13 through 15. And I encourage you, don't just read these verses like a believer, read them like a historian or a skeptic. Matthew describes how the Jewish leaders bribed the guards at Jesus' tomb to say that they had seen nothing miraculous and had not fainted or abandoned their post in fear, saying, tell them his disciples came at night and stole him away while we slept. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will appease him and make you secure. So they took the money and did as they were instructed. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. Now, why would Matthew write this account? Because that was one of the accusations the earliest Christians faced. The accusation that they had stolen Jesus' body. Matthew was trying to explain the origin of that accusation. But here's the thing. Why was there an accusation in the first century that the disciples had stolen the body? 
because the tomb was empty. If the tomb was not empty, there'd be no need to accuse them of anything. Think about it. If you were an ancient Roman governor or Jewish leader, and this new religious sect claiming Jesus was resurrected was causing an uproar amongst the people, as both biblical and historical sources say that it was, what would have been the easiest way to quell it? Simply produce the body. Show the corpse of the man called Jesus. After all, he died and was buried in Jerusalem, the very headquarters city of the troublesome faith. Yet there is literally no record of the Jews or Romans ever producing a body to prove the apostles' claims were false. Instead, the first century enemies of the church came up with ways to explain the empty tomb, proving that the tomb was indeed empty. In a world where religious leaders from Muhammad to Buddha have their remains revered at sites all over the world, history records no veneration of the body of the most influential religious leader ever born, Jesus of Nazareth, because he was resurrected and there is no dead body to venerate. As another piece of evidence, consider the witness of the apostles and the early Christians to the resurrection. Recall the passage we read earlier in 1 Corinthians 15. It listed multiple eyewitnesses to Jesus' resurrection by name, such as Cephas or Peter and James, Jesus' brother, as well as the rest of the original 12 apostles and other apostles besides, along with more than 500 other people and Paul himself. Their testimony to the resurrection of Jesus recorded for the ages is also evidence. Now, of course, some might say they were all lying, that perhaps they stole the body out of the tomb, just as the Jewish leaders of the first century accused them of doing. How do we know they did not? because they sealed their witness with their own blood. The Bible and secular history record how the early Christians were arrested, tortured, and killed, including those who were witnesses to the resurrection. Acts chapter 12 and verse 2 says James the apostle was executed by King Herod. The Jewish historian Josephus records that the other James, Jesus' own brother, was executed for his witness as well. History suggests Paul was beheaded for his witness and that Peter too was executed, both in the days of Emperor Nero, the same emperor who Roman historian Tacitus says used to crucify Christians, tear them apart with dogs, and burn them at stakes to provide nightly illumination. Ask yourself, who sacrifices himself for what he knows to be a lie? Their actions tell us, even 2,000 years later, that they believed without a doubt that they had seen the risen, living Jesus Christ. In fact, for these reasons and others, even most secular scholars do not doubt the sincerity of the disciples' testimony. For instance, skeptical scholar Gerd Ludemann writes, with his assistant Alf Ozen, in the classic work, What Really Happened to Jesus? A historical approach to the resurrection. It may be taken as historically certain that Peter and the disciples had experiences after Jesus' death in which Jesus appeared to them as the risen Christ. 
an empty tomb, hundreds of eyewitnesses, some of whom seal their testimony by allowing themselves to be tortured to death for it. This evidence and other lines of evidence as well speak through the centuries to us. It does not take blind faith to conclude that Jesus of Nazareth did indeed rise from the dead. This last myth is just that, a myth. Before we consider the implications of all this, let me pause briefly one more time to give you an opportunity to request today's free booklet, Easter, The Untold Story. This free resource explains the origins of Easter practices, the real timing of the death and resurrection of Christ, and the knowledge you need about the biblical holy days and what they reveal about that vital week almost 2,000 years ago. Here's the information you need to order your free copy, but don't go away because I'll be right back to explain what so many miss about the importance of Jesus' resurrection. For today's free offer, call 1-800-236-0531 or go to twtv.org Easter. This clear and straightforward resource will help you understand this vital truth straight from the pages of the Bible. If you're calling for the first time, you will also receive a free annual subscription to Tomorrow's World magazine, 10 inspiring issues discussing news, science, and modern culture will help you make sense of your world from a biblical perspective. Call today and join millions around the world who are turning to tomorrow's world for truth, prophecy, and hope in these confusing times. Call now or go to twtv.org Easter. I hope that tackling these myths about the resurrection has been profitable for you today. But as we conclude, we need to ask ourselves, what does the resurrection mean? For many who claim to believe in Jesus, his death and resurrection is all about their salvation. But when you read the Bible and the words of Jesus and the disciples, it means that, yes, but it means much more than that. The resurrection of Christ was God's validation of all Jesus had taught them and promised them over the previous three and a half years of his ministry. The resurrection was God's stamp of approval on the way of life Jesus commanded them to live, and it was the guarantee that the kingdom he promised, in which they would reign with him, was coming. If Jesus Christ really rose from the grave, then his teachings concerning how you live your life and worship him are not just good words from a good teacher. They are teachings sent to you by God. You see, the resurrection of Jesus isn't just an academic question. It has powerful implications for how you live the rest of your life. If you're truly ready to embrace those implications, then we here at Tomorrow's World are ready to help. I hope you'll request the free booklet we're sending out today, and I hope you'll come back next time. Gerald Weston, Richard Ames, Rod McNair, and I will be right here waiting for you ready to share with you the teachings of Jesus Christ, the real meaning of the Bible's end-time prophecies, and the beautiful news of the kingdom of God. Until we see you again, take care. 
For today's free offer, call 1-800-236-0531 or go to TWTV.org Easter. Call today and join millions around the world who are turning to tomorrow's world for truth, prophecy, and hope in these confusing times. The preceding program is produced by the Living Church of God.